0: Welcome to the Enlightening Motherhood Podcast. Here you will find a non-judgmental community offering support to mothers raising children with extra challenges. This community was created for you, to empower moms who love their children deeply, but are also feeling frustrated, overwhelmed, or just plain stressed out. We are the place for moms who are sometimes feeling at the end of their rope and are looking for hope and light. Join us as we help you enlighten motherhood. Hey everyone, this is Ashley. Just a very quick intro to this episode where I interview my friend Shannon. Shannon talks about some of the difficulties that she's experienced in her life, including parenting a child who is neurodivergent, and how that is not exactly what she expected, but how she has found beauty along the way and not only found it, but intentionally created it. And I wanted to mention that it follows really nicely with from last week's episode that Emily shared um, called Welcome to Holland. So if you haven't listened to that, I would, I highly recommend it. It was excellent and just goes hand in hand with this really well so without further ado here is my conversation with shannon hey everyone welcome to the podcast this is ashley and i have with me today a special guest shannon palmer uh shannon and i have known each other for a very long time we knew each other as kids. Uh, we were lived in the same area in Arizona and went to the same church. I remember going to parties at Shannon's house when I was a teenager, and <laughs> um, just have known each other a long time. And about maybe 12 or 13 years ago, or something like that, my husband and I went to Hawaii, and Shannon and her family, her husband and kids, were living in Hawaii at the time. And she was so sweet. I remember she picked us up from our hotel and um, had us over at her house, at their house for dinner. It's been fun to keep in touch, um, over the years and, um, follow her on social media. And I think very highly of her. I think she's really amazing. So I'm excited to have her on the podcast as a guest today and, um, share a little bit of her story, have her share with you
1: today, Shannon, welcome. Thank you so much. It's been really fun reconnecting with you Ashley, because I know we have, gone in our own separate mom circles in a lot of ways, um, but still friends. And I also highly regard you. You're amazing. You've got these beautiful children and a set of twins to boot. <laughs> That's a ton. And you're doing such a genuine and you know, just a great job with them. I, I look at the way you parent, at least what I see and just really love it. So thank you for letting me be a part of today's show.
0: Thank you. Thank you for those words. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, about your family, your kids, anything you want to share?
1: Yeah. um, Thank you. So I'm a mom of eight. Um, I have six boys and two girls and I have a four-year-old all the way up to a 21-year-old with one boy on a mission. He's in Africa right now serving for uh, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day saints. And um, for God, honestly, right. It's for God, (laughs) but we're just, let's see. I live in Oklahoma and recently went through a divorce. So it's been almost two years of being divorced and I am working now as a mindset coach and a healer and i love this new space i've stepped into this new kind of beautiful life that i'm creating so it's been pretty good
0: how long have you been in oklahoma i know you guys have lived in lots of different places
1: yeah being in the military um when i was married i was married for 20 years and we were in the military almost all of that So we moved from Hawaii a while back and I'm sad about that. I would go back in a heartbeat, (laughs) but we've been in Oklahoma just about a year, just hit the year mark.
0: All right. So one of your children, you have one who's on the autism spectrum. Can you tell us about your experience with parenting a neurodiverse child and maybe share anything that could help moms who might suspect that they have a child on the spectrum or who do have a child on the spectrum, maybe things you were seeing in him or anything like that that can help.
1: Absolutely. Um, I just remember we really had a struggle with our oldest as a baby. Even he just was very demanding and loud. And I thought he had colic, um, but the doctors was like, he's fine. He just is very strong-willed. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, yay for us. <laughs> I've been there too. Yes. <laughs> so from his inception, he just has been a challenging child, but at the same time, a totally brilliant, smart child. He was uh, talking like a five-year-old by the time he was 18 months. He was Someone that adults would gravitate toward and just be in awe of because he was just so connective Mm -hmm. and he really knew what he was saying. He didn't have anything inauthentic about him and it was just amazing. So we didn't know he was on the spectrum or had any issues We just thought we were amazing parents and we just knew everything about being parents we're perfect (laughs) and he was your first he was your first first.
0: first.
1: we can relate to that yeah
0: yeah and
1: so um when when he hit i guess we did homeschool joy school as a co-op and he Mm -hmm. had so much fun with that there were never any issues Um, but when we hit kindergarten is when we really started to see how he interacted with other people in like public settings that wasn't church and how he dealt with authority and, um, how his behavior wasn't quite on par. And so one of the things that really prompted me to think about, maybe I should get him tested, um, was, just, we had kind of a, a teacher who was really, let's say she was, she was someone who made me think very poignantly because she was very rude. And I literally was like, why would you say those things about my child? I don't see that in him, but maybe it's a school thing.
0: What kind of things was she saying about him?
1: Well, a lot of it was like, he took a pair of glasses from another child on the bus. And he was just, he has this kind of mind that wants to analyze everything and he wants to know how it works. He wants to understand it. He might take something apart, like a little engineer and put it back together. And, but at five, you're going to just destroy it. Right. Um, (laughs) so there were things like that where he would say, Oh, I'd love to see that. And the kid would give him whatever it was. And then he would take it And um, he wouldn't necessarily destroy things because that really wasn't his intention, but he would keep them. And so he kept somebody's glasses (laughs) and I saw them in his bag and I'm like, whose glasses are these? Oh, so, and so he gave them to me and I'm like, well, these are important for him to have, you know? So I had to like go back and the teacher is like really rude about it and made this whole fuss and sent him to the principal over that. And So all year he was getting sent to the principal for one thing or another. And it seemed very petty to me. They were innocent child things. Yeah. And at five, you're not stealing out of, you know, to have someone's glasses, they're going to be of any use to you. Right. Um, But so that's what it made me think a lot like, okay, he's doing a lot of these things that aren't really typical of a five-year-old, but what's the problem? Why does he keep getting sent to the principal? And part of it was we, he wasn't hearing well, he wouldn't come in when the whistle was blown and she would get upset. So we got hit. He, he had conductive hearing loss. We got that taken care of. And then she would put on his papers, like need to finish. And he would come home with stacks of paperwork that was incomplete. And I would be like, what in the heck it's kindergarten. But the rude remarks, I was just like, there's something wrong here, because he I know he's a smart child, very smart. Mm-hmm. Why isn't it able to like translate from his head to the paper? And so we got him tested, and it took a long time. I was frustrated that it took a long time between getting the teacher's perspective, this the the church teacher's perspective, parents' perspective, and then all of the testing with the doctors. But like six months later, finally he was diagnosed with ADHD.
0: When you went in for the testing, did you know what you were going in for, or did you just go to the doc, his pediatrician, and just say, "I have a concern"? Or did you? Yeah,
1: ADHD. Yeah, we didn't know. I'm my my husband at the time is actually a pediatrician now, but he was in, um, residency. Yeah, residency for pediatrics at the time, and he was like, "Well, he probably just needs to get tested for ADHD." What we did. Okay. And, um. He ended up being found to have all the symptoms of ADHD. So that's, we started him on Concerta, which is a Ritalin source. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, by that time he's in first grade, he has a much nicer, different teacher. we were able to explain things and she was so good to him. He had a beautiful first grade. He was finally able to get stuff out of his brain onto the paper easily, quickly. Uh-huh. Because before in kindergarten, we'd we'd spend an hour on like two questions at homework time. And it was like pulling teeth to get him to focus. And, you know, I had four other children under the age of, well, when he was five, I guess I had uh, three other children under the age of five. Wow. So you're sitting there trying to do homework and you just, you're so pulled in so many directions yes and I'm focusing with him and he's tired of it so it became such a struggle it'd be two and three hours to finish one paper and I was just like this has got to change it's not it's it's draining me and I'm stressed and tapped out you know
0: yes yes
1: I've been there too
0: it's really hard
1: yeah yeah, So being able to finally get a solution where I was just like, oh my gosh, hallelujah. He can actually do his homework. It takes him very little time or like he does it on before school's over now. Uh-huh. Uh, his confidence soared. He felt smart. Uh, he finally was just like, wow, like I like school. Um, so that went on until he was nine. We moved from that place where we did residency in pediatrics. So we were in Ohio and he, something shifted between hitting pre-puberty and losing his family. He, so we actually had the unique opportunity to be at the same station for medical school for four years and residency for three years with his cousins. Oh, wow. So my, my ex's brother actually went through medical school and residency at the very same time. And we just lucked out, got the same locations. Mm-hmm. So his cousins grew up with him for seven years mm-hmm. and we were great friends. You know, we were always in each other's lives. When we moved to Hawaii, it's as if it was a death of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know it then, but looking back, I see that now. And I, I saw it a long time ago and realized as well, like at the age of nine, um, kids do see separations like that, whether it's a divorce or um, a move as an actual death. And they do need help processing what it's like. They do need support in how to transition in that kind of a space. We didn't have the milit- uh, the internet like we do now. We only had Skype and the phone. And you couldn't go play next door with your cousins anymore. So for him, being as highly sensitive as he is, yeah, he took it so extremely difficultly. Like, it, is that a word? Difficultly <laughs> <laughs> um, that it ended up becoming a source of I need to kill myself mm. because I'm so sad. I'm so depressed. Mm. We started seeing signs of suicidal ideation we started seeing signs of well he was being bullied he was highly anxious he was being bullied at school and being um a total white kid in a um well, in a multicultural school military school it was a polynesian school okay you either stand out like a sore thumb or you're like this rose among all your other flowers because there's no hiding. Um, and he didn't have the tools or the interpersonal social skills to be okay with how people treated him. And it just became, he became a target of bullying. My other kids who were in the same school, they were opposite. They were able to find humor. They were able to to spot bullying and go, it doesn't matter. That's them. You know, I was able to say, here's how we deal with bullies. And they grasped that and they became rock stars in the, their classes. Um, They were little celebrities. Honestly, people cried and gave them gifts when we had to move. Wow. The whole class, it was really moving. I literally was like, wow, I had no clue. Mm -hmm. And with him though, it was the total opposite and it was heart-wrenching to see he didn't want to go to school at all. He would hide from me. And I was like, something's off. This isn't just, you know, ADHD, what's really going on. He doesn't have the social scale awareness. He doesn't have the um, ability to rise up like his brothers and be resilient. He's emotionally stunted right now and he wants to kill himself and he tried. Mm -hmm. And so I pulled him out of school and I just homeschooled and said, you need a social break. Um, and at that point we ended up, um, you know, because I saw all those signs, I'm like, there's more to this. This isn't just ADHD. And we did this six week social skills. I thought maybe he just needs some social skills training Uh in country. He's dealing with other cultures, other ways of being treated than normal because there is a little bit of, um, cultural differences where you really have to as a white person in a Polynesian area be confident in who you are (laughs) as a child it's a little different as an adult but as a child um to to be okay and so I thought let's just get him some skills and we did this six-week social skills training and it happened to be at the the hospital there tripler um medical center Which is a military hospital. And it happened to be run by psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors. And in the six week process, they saw he's got all these markers for autism. And so they took me in after the six weeks and said, Hey, we just want you to know he does have ADHD, but he also has all these other symptoms and behaviors and the things he's brought up and the way we've been able to see him interacting in class he's got autism and I was like in denial <laughs> I'm like no he doesn't no 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 and they're like well here's what's going on they told me and I it was a shock to me but at the same time it made so much sense um, because I was seeing it at home I was seeing it at school and I was really grateful because If you ever suspect that your child is on the spectrum or has ADHD, it's really important to see those markers and not be in denial. I've seen lots of other moms over the years have children on the spectrum or or with ADHD or ADD, and they won't acknowledge it um, because it's hard. And I get that I was in denial for a good while too. I didn't want to medicate him. Even with the ADHD, I just was like, no, we're gonna figure it out without meds. And it got to a point where I'm like, something's gotta give because I can't continue doing three hours of homework while I gotta get dinner going and other children fed and taken care of. And I'm a mess, you know. Um, so I was like, we're gonna just try this. And it was a total tool and it was an asset. Um, and it helped his confidence. That was the biggest thing. So going back to his diagnosis with autism, I, I looked back and said, okay, I've been here before. I was in denial before. I didn't appreciate people saying you really need to medicate your child. You know, <laughs> he's such a problem. And I'm like, he's not a problem. He's a genius. That's the, your problem is you don't know how to deal with a genius, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, So, but I went back there and went, okay, maybe he just needs some more tools. Maybe he needs a different medication. Maybe he needs some therapy. And um, I asked them, well, what's up? What are the options? And we found ABA therapy for the first time ever. And that in and of itself was more powerful than any medicine that we've ever tried for him. He medicine helped him quite a bit. But there's no substitute for a third party that is not mom or dad, especially when your child is in puberty, because they don't want to listen to mom or dad. Yeah. They need a third party who will validate everything mom and dad have already said, and who will teach them new skills for self calming, who will teach them skills for emotional regulation, who will give them empowerment in their own body. Um, because so much about autism is feeling over sensoried and overwhelmed in a really loud world that they have no control over. And if there's anything that they can control and feel empowered by, they need to be able to have the tools to get them there.
0: I've heard of ABA therapy. I've been curious about it for my own kids. So it's good to hear that you had a, a positive experience with your son.
1: It was life-changing for him. So it's applied behavioral analysis, right? And they test your child and give them the opportunity to see where their strengths are and their weaknesses. And then they come in and and they decide, do they need in-person after school? Do they need in-school help? Do they, you know, come to um, the facility and get help? And for my son, He needed after school help because he needed the confidence of not having a little like therapy buddy at school, Um, but he needed help. So the therapy buddy came. He was like a 21 year old in his master's program for ABA who just took him out to play with other friends, other kids in the neighborhood. We just set up tons and tons of play dates and gave him opportunities to practice the skills of um, socializing because for him, that was his biggest issue and hard, hard thing. Um, So that turned everything around. He finally was able to um, have friends and not burn bridges immediately, because that was something he would impress and wow everyone with his intellect. And then he would burn bridges with his behavior.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've seen that with one of mine, too. I totally get that. Okay, so you mentioned. ABA therapy was life-changing for your son. I love that you set up lots of playdates so he could practice the skills that he was learning. Were there other things that helped as well?
1: And what helped you during that time also, you or him? Those are great questions. One of the biggest things that helped him was finding a calming technique because he really struggled with sharing his feelings and thoughts. And instead of being able to express com- and communicate clearly what he was going through. It ended up uh, that he went through most of the time, two hour meltdowns and they were destructive. He um, had a really hard time aiming his energy. And so he would sometimes bite himself or scratch himself to bleeding. And it was really hard to go through that as a mom I did everything I knew how to really help calm him down, but it really just wasn't effective. And his younger siblings suffered during that time because I spent so much time and energy with him that they, a lot of times I had to just for their own safety, give them a movie and be like, here's a movie. Why don't you guys shut yourselves in this room for as long as it takes and it's, I'll come check on you. But I, you know, let's, let's just keep you safe. Um, Cause it wasn't safe. I, I feel bad at the time. He had a really hard time with those meltdowns, but finding a calming technique, really focusing on that changed a lot of, it, it took his meltdowns from two hours to one hour and then from one hour to half an hour. And then within a few weeks, it was like 10 minutes. Wow. It was Yeah. It was ridiculous. Once he started the ABA therapy within three weeks, his two hour meltdowns, which had been happening for six months, chopped down to 10 minutes and then they were done. And I was astounded.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. So what kind of calming technique was it that he
1: was doing? So his behavioral therapist and I went over a lot of what are his favorite things Um, what does he gravitate towards what does he really love what does he connect with for him books was a big thing he loved to read and he's very smart he's twice exceptional he's not just gifted and talented but he's also autistic and so for him to get lost in a story and wrapped up in A fantasy world where he could be anyone and anything with any power or ability as the main character and put himself in that role, it really took his mind off of everything. It was an escape that he needed. So we realized pretty quickly oh, if we could just get him on his books for even five minutes, it would give him a quick escape. And then we can talk to him and work him through what situation just happened. And he'll be able to hopefully connect the dots if we repeat it enough times. So that was a big one for him was reading. So would
0: it be trying to get ahead of the meltdown and reading prior to recognizing the triggers or would it be when he is melting down, getting him to read and then it would help him calm down?
1: Yeah, we had a process. So right when I started to see the triggers happening we had a code word because this code word he could use at school also and it made it so that he's not getting necessarily yelled at in front of the class right if he's starting to have a meltdown which is really important for a kid's self-esteem in front of all of his peers to not be singled out he's already feeling different you know so to single him out even more is just kind of a big no-no yeah so we Code word. Sometimes he would change it. Sometimes it was like volcano because he (laughs) felt like he was going to erupt at any moment in anger. So he would say volcano to his teacher, and his teacher knew he just needed some space and time. And he'd get to go out in the hall with his book for five, 10 minutes and then come back. We utilized some breathing techniques as well. So that was kind of our, our drill. Code word. A space that was safe for him to have some time to breathe and to read and then being able to just come back work through the issue if he was at school he didn't necessarily always have an opportunity to work through the issue uh, but we could also have him write down why was I so upset to get him thinking where's the connection between what happened and the emotions i'm feeling so that really helped him quite a bit i love that i love that you made a plan when he was calm ahead
0: of time to create a code word and a plan for what he can do when he uses the code word it was used utilized at home and at school yeah. and then being able to process it later on through writing is such a great great idea it's such a great tool so that's awesome So you mentioned a little bit about the dynamic of like the family dynamic with him and that your kids would sometimes watch a movie and you have to do what you have to do to keep them safe. How did your kids, I guess, respond or uh, when he was having meltdowns, like how did that affect them?
1: Most of the time they stood back and waited for me to give them instructions We all kind of had to give him space because, uh, unfortunately, you know, he couldn't express why he was feeling so passionately angry. And no matter how many times I would ask him, are you this? Are you that? What happened? What set you off? What triggered you? Why? You Whatever. It was just he was ballistically angry. So it really didn't do any good to ask him what we started doing was learning how to validate emotion. That's a big one for anybody, right? Even adults who don't have any kind of neurodivergency, we want our emotions validated when we're feeling emotional and it works wonders on kids who are autistic too. So Um, that was one way I could teach my older kids to check in with him when he started to have high emotion. They, and maybe I wasn't in the room at the time, they could say, uh, I see that you're feeling X, Y, Z. Tell me what happened, right? Because if you say, why are you so crazy? Or why are you so freaking out calm down right if you say that it's an immediately uh he immediately feels defensive and it escalates things it becomes an argument now that's pointed at that sibling so teaching them questions that say what instead of why so that all of a sudden that child can say oh, someone wants to know how I'm doing, how I'm feeling, what happened to me. Um, that That's very different, right? It feels validating and it opens up a conversation for, uh, that could be potentially healing versus feeling very vulnerable and defensive. Um, that one was, that's one that we still work on with our kids, no matter what, at least I do. And that's been a very helpful tool for compassion and for seeing that we're not the only people in the world. There's other people having issues. Um, my younger kids are very compassionate. And um, I, I think that's been a really helpful tool as well.
0: What a great thing for your kids to learn at such a young, young ages, you know, before going out into the world to learn how to respond in a compassionate way. I love that. It's- such great
1: Well, not appreciated it. And not all of them have been overly compassionate. A lot of times they felt very resentful of all of the time and energy that his, um, his issues took for our parents and teachers and such to deal with. And I do feel bad for them because they definitely felt the brunt of, of a lot of the time that they did not get my time and attention, but we, we do the best we can. And these kids have turned out well, despite. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, not a perfect world and that's okay. Yes, That's a good approach to have just to realize that
0: like, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? We do the best we can and we take away the positives and that's okay so you mentioned earlier in the episode that you have a beautiful life that you've been creating and i love this intentional statement and you were obviously not expecting to have a child on the autism spectrum who struggled with lots of things including suicidal ideation at one point um, which is so hard by the way to get divorced and to be raising eight children as a single mom, so how did you go about creating a life of beauty despite these challenges?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of times, it doesn't matter if we stay married or not, we still have to face the facts that sometimes our life isn't what we ever thought it would be, and it's important for us to start understanding how can we be happy now? no matter what's happening in our lives, no matter what happens to us or for us. And how can we start approaching life from a place of, how can I make life happen for me versus to me? Because we're going to have challenges. That's a, that's a given. Um, One thing that really has helped me is personal development. I spent a lot of time starting in about 2013, learning about psychology of the mind, um, especially with, with neurodivergency, especially with behavior, especially with uh, mental health, anxiety, depression, because I went through a lot of that going through this experience with my son, he was nine at the time he was diagnosed and we had five children under the age of nine. My ex-husband, but husband at the time was in a residency program, which is super demanding. And he was gone 80-ish hours a week. So I felt like an acting single parent already. And I needed a lot of support that I did not have. We were at that point living in Hawaii, then there really wasn't family nearby. uh, We had to make friends and hope that they were as good as family wherever we go. And we fortunately did, we had some really amazing friends. uh, And their kids did not have the same kinds of issues as ours. And that made it difficult because sometimes it's hard to make friends with other families if they don't understand your child yeah Uh, feels very isolating at times it's very isolating you can feel like an outcast quite a bit it's almost like if you have allergies to certain foods and you're invited to a potluck and people don't know what you can eat you know so you have to bring your own and that's fine but you still feel kind of like oh I can't eat anything (laughs) That's a great analogy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit of having to be really proactive, which families get it, which families will support the whole family. And it's a trick, not every family. I felt pretty lonely actually. And I, what really helped me because I was so lonely because I felt alone in parenting Um, and I didn't have family nearby was really just digging into getting consistent girls nights time away. I needed a mental break. Yeah. I need sanity breaks. (laughs) I needed to really have time to figure out who am I outside of being a mom and a wife. I used to teach Spanish. I, uh, I got to do some parks and recreation. Um, that's my bachelor's. I got to work in that field, but I had, once I had three kids, I stayed home full time to be a mom, a career mom, and I loved it. And I still love it, but there's a certain point you get to where you can really lose yourself serving everybody else so much if there's nothing that's just yours. And so I know for you, you do photography and you do an amazing job at that. And I hope you still get to do it. I know it's a challenge though, because you've got your five children and it's busy, busy, but you also have this podcast, which I think is amazing you're doing. And we have seasons where we go through the, well, this is my thing now. And this is my thing now, right? Definitely seasons. Photography is not in the season right now, but
0: I do love it. And I hope to get back to it. I pulled it out the other night and took some pictures of my friend and that was fun. But, um, but the podcast, yeah, anything and exercise is huge for me too. It's something I love and yes, helps me a lot.
1: It, I had a stroller group where we strolled up and down all of the neighborhood Hills with our children in their little strollers. I did a surf group where every Thursday we swapped watching kids on the beach and, um, taught each other to surf. It was really cool. So those things really got me through. I started coaching at that time as well, which was the beginning of my coaching life.
0: So how did you get started with coaching? How did you find out about it?
1: Um, I actually was introduced to it by a girlfriend who was in a similar boat and we started doing health coaching with a um, direct sales company. And I really needed that at the time. I don't do it anymore with health coaching, but at the time it's what I needed for the community aspect, for the service aspect. I helped multiple people lose 60 and a hundred pounds. I I was there for them every step of the way for years. And I loved it. Um it really got me thinking outside of myself, especially when you feel so lonely, you could just check in on your coaching clients and be like, Hey, how you doing today? And, you know, get out of your funk a little bit. So, uh, other things that really helped were, were just like building in trips. I love to travel. So whatever it is that you love to do that you don't ever get to do being intentional about making something available to you at some point. So for me, I love to travel and we lived in Hawaii of all places. So I was set on seeing the islands and I made sure for our anniversary, we booked a flight to go for a day or two to Kauai or Maui or whatever, just so that we could both as parents get out, get an escape, just have time to reconnect with both of us having such busy lives and, um, it was really good for us. The time we spent in Hawaii was very healing for all of us.
0: So your coaching business has evolved to something different now. So could you tell us
1: about that? Yeah, definitely. So now um, over the years, my relationship with my then husband was not doing great. We went through years of counseling, didn't seem to do much for us. And I decided I need to learn how to be happy no matter what, even if my marriage isn't where I want it to be. I, I decided to stay married and to keep trying, um, even though I wanted a separation, oh, it's been about nine years ago. Um, We decided to keep trying and kind of give it one last really good try. And so I started reading more about alternative healing because I felt kind of burnt out of traditional counseling and therapy um um, a friend of mine recommended the book the emotion code by brad nelson he's a chiropractor and it taught me about muscle testing and energetic and generational release and i it took me six months to read that book i literally was like i'm not reading this crap it's woo woo voodoo witchcrafty thing you know like i was so against it And then I just kept having that nudge, just, just read it, just read it. And I'm like, "Uh, fine, nothing else is working. Sure. So I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, why did it take me so long to read this? It helped me so much. I literally was able to release from the body, the anxiety, the depression, the panic attack stuff that I had been dealing with. And it made such a difference that I started sharing it with my friends and my family and my At the time, I wasn't charging anything because I was just learning, and it sent me into this like hunger of learning more. I trained on the body code, which is Brad Nelson's next step after the emotion code, and that releases pain from the body, like actual physical pain and illness from the body. I learned the spirit code and then simply a line, which is a really powerful Eastern medicine type alignment healing therapy that allows your body to get really good about being in alignment so that you can release whatever's not in alignment from you. Um, and since then, I've learned shamanic journey, which is out of this world, powerful, helping people through their inner child work, their divine reconnection, their generational healing and activation of gifts. It's become kind of its own thing and become such a special, sacred thing to me. And I launched my business in 2019 um, so that, because I did get divorced, things just did not work out between us and needed an income. And that's, this is something I've been passionate about for almost 10 years now. And it's been a blessing to be able to do what I love and to provide for my children that way and to bless the lives of so many all at the same time
0: <laughs> it's inspiring that you decided i'm going to focus on what i can control i'm going to find a way to be happy even if it's not working in my marriage right now even though there's these hard things going on with my child with family dynamic and you just you found a way and that's amazing i love that and It sounds like amazing work and it sounds very interesting and that you are um, helping and blessing lots of people, which is wonderful.
1: Oh, I absolutely am so grateful. I found that book that a friend introduced me to it because it really has become such a big part of my life. I feel like I've always had these gifts and abilities. I just never gave them the time of day and now that i've over the past 8 9 years really i've paid lots of money actually last year alone was $35,000 in trainings and coaching and business mentoring um i certifications things like that that cost a lot of money so i've basically put myself through private school private training for specifically for learning Eastern medicine therapies to really bring people back into alignment to help them emotionally first in their inner workings for their personal lives, for their own relationship for themselves so that they can have healthier relationships within their family dynamic, their marriage dynamic and their job business, whatever dynamic they, how they earn income. Because whenever we, help to heal our inner world, our outer world naturally heals. And we naturally bring more money in to our space. We allow ourselves to receive it. That's been huge for my clients. And I. it makes me so happy to see them thrive. Mm-hmm. I love that.
0: So you shared something on social media recently that resonated with me that, that aligns with this. You said, get into the habit of asking yourself, does this, does this support the life I want to create? And I think that's such a good mindset to have. Could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I know, especially for myself, a lot of times it's a mental game. That's why I teach so much mindset work. You need both though. You Mindset work and the spiritual work of letting go of the things that don't serve you. And part of the mindset stuff is when we're in our head, when we're having that negative spin cycle happen, where someone said something about us and now now we doubt ourselves. And then, you know, what happens, we end up finding validation for that doubt where we'll say, oh yeah, remember that one time that didn't work out so well for me, or I totally tanked when I try to do this thing. And yeah, now I must, that must be true that I am not that good at whatever, right? We start doing this negative spin or our kids will say, oh, it's the worst when our kids say it like,
0: you're the worst mom ever. (laughs) I think we've all been there
1: at some point. I know I have. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's harsh, right? Because we work so hard at being good parents and we're so patient and Hey, we're human. We might lose it some days. And those are the days where they're like <clears throat> to us and we have to be the adult and not the tantrum taker, right? It's not going to be our turn to take, to may have a tantrum. And I remember in my young twenties, that was a struggle for me when my kids would tantrum, I'd want a tantrum back. And I did sometimes, so for me, that quote really is a reminder for myself <laughs> to ask myself, is this going to serve me? Is this the life I want to create? Because we have total control over our own selves, our own thoughts, and our thoughts, our emotions create our reality. We are so powerful more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. In fact, in the way we create, whether we know it or not, we're constantly creating. So that quote just reminds me, is that what I want to create? And I love that because we have the ability to create beauty, no matter what we just get to choose it. I mean, you think about Viktor Frankl, he was in, you know, hit that book he has called man's search for happiness. He was a world war II Holocaust survivor. He was in the pits of the hall, the um, death camps and he was a doctor. So he did get special treatment, but at the same time, it was not pretty and they were all emaciated and not doing well. He chose to have control. He, he decided I can have everything stripped from me, but my choice to be happy can never be taken from me. And that's always really inspired me because he was in the worst possible conditions ever. And he still chose to find a way to be happy that he could control how he felt about everything. And um, whole
0: family died, right? Everyone died but him.
1: Yeah, it was pretty grim. Uh, I look at him and go, well, I'm never going to be someone who's happy 100% of the time. That's just not reality. But I can get upset, I can do some self-care, I can maybe have some chocolate, <laughs> go talk to a friend, and then I can ask myself, how can I be happy? What, what do I need in my life right now? How can I create a better, happier me right now?
0: I love that. And I love the idea of asking myself, does this support the life I want to create? Um, And that I am creating it. And is this adding to that? So that's great. I want to put it on my fridge. I think it's a great thing to ask myself regularly.
1: So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I don't think I actually wrote that quote, but I shared it.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a good one. (laughs) So could you uh, tell our listeners where they could connect with you? If they want to do that?
1: Absolutely. I love helping people. I love answering your questions. I've I'm a mom who's been there, done that with the my son is now 20, almost 21, who's been dealing with autism. And I also have young children as well. My youngest is four, and there's, you know, eight in between there. So I do get asked a lot of parenting questions. I do get asked a lot of mindset stuff and relationship questions. And I'm not a, you know, necessarily a guru or a expert but I do have a lot of experience and wisdom to share and I love to share it. Uh, I have several ways you can reach me. Instagram is a really good way. Shannon Palmer underscore coach. I actually have right now a free digital download of my newest song. I love to play and sing the piano. And wow, that came out wrong. I love to play the piano and sing. And I recently wrote a song called come back home because So much of what we go through in life is hard. And we tend to disconnect from life and ourselves when it's hard out of survival. I know how that feels. I've been there so many times. And I know that as we reconnect to ourselves, to trust ourselves, to loving ourselves, we learn how to really, truly be happy no matter what we can really truly connect to our highest power or our God, whatever you decide is your version of a higher power. And that's really important because that's going to be what reminds us how we can truly master our, our happiness scale, no matter what happens to us, if we have that connection and it starts with coming back home to ourselves. So I wrote a song There's a free digital download available if you go to my Instagram, Shannon Palmer underscore coach. I also have a Facebook page called Abundant Mindset Coaching. And for those people who are working on self-love recovery, if you've been dealing with codependency or lower self-esteem or, you know, just going through really difficult relationships where you feel like you've been kind of used and abused, taken advantage of. I have a Facebook group that's also free called Unbreakable Soul. And those are probably my main places where you can really interact and uh, take advantage of a lot of really good resources. Um, One of the biggest things I have coming up soon is called the Sacred Reset Retreat. And Ashley's also got that link for you. It's three pillars of healing that i use shamanic journey to work people through inner child work generational healing and ancestral uh, activation of gifts as well as the divine connection at the heart level people love that reset because it's literally that it resets you it helps you feel more confident more clarity more discernment you release a lot of pressure and burden from your life mentally and emotionally and physically Most people come away with it, having gifts activated that they've already had, but are now amplified and it's pretty out of this world.
0: (laughs) It sounds very interesting and amazing. Um, You are just such a bright light in this world and I just love the work that you're doing and you're just amazing. before we end, I just, I also was just curious about how your son is doing on his mission, um, your son who has autism. How are things going for him?
1: My son who has autism did not serve a mission. I do have a son on a mission who's in Benin, Africa. This is my second son. So, my oldest with autism is working currently. He's actually doing pretty okay we're really proud of him. He's doing well enough that he's independent, which is a big deal. We weren't sure if that was even going to be something he could handle. Um, He's, excuse me, he's a senior in college at uh, BYU, Idaho, and he's working as well and holding a job. He has his own apartment, all of those major celebrations. The fact that he did deal with suicidal ideation when he was a child that has not fully been something he's conquered and probably will be a lifetime of practicing his tools around that. But, um, I really, I appreciate that he's working on himself and he's trying and a mission was just too much for him. And that I am 100% on board and support him doing whatever it is that is what he can handle. And I think us who have children on the autism spectrum understand that, or even children who just deal with anxiety, who are not on the spectrum, because that's a big difficulty to talk to people, to be in their space, to try to share something that is sacred to you and how do you do that when you're really anxious you know so um he chose not to serve a mission and i 100 percent support that yeah Yeah. wow
0: yeah well thank you for sharing that and thank you so much for your time and sharing with our listeners your journey and the amazing tools that you have created uh the supports you found but the things you've created in your life to create this beautiful life um amidst the struggles and trials, I think that you will be an inspiration to many. So thank you, Shannon.
1: Yeah, anytime. I, I'm really grateful to be on the show. Thank you so much. Right. And also someone who is going through the trenches right now with all of your children. And you're amazing too. Just remember like, to take time for yourself and your husband. Maybe you guys can take time together.
0: <laughs> Get us in think-
1: those are definitely
0: uh, good reminders, for sure, for anyone who has kids with challenges, with extra challenges, um, focusing on your marriage and on yourself is so important as well. So thank you for reminding us of that. Great. Sure. Thanks again, Abby. All right. Thanks, Shannon. Bye. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Shannon. Isn't she amazing? She is just a light and has been so proactive in creating um, an intentional life of beauty for her and her family. If you wanted to get a copy of her new song, Come Back Home, that is in the show notes. And also, I wanted to point out that there is a pdf tool that you can download as well that's free called unlock the joy zone and that might be of interest as well so head over to the show notes and you can find all of the different ways to connect with her and those downloads have a beautiful day with your family